we're going to start tonight um, by me telling you the story of Moses. So this is Moses' testimony. I was raised up in a Christian family, and I went into business at the age of 20. I did many kinds of work, taxi driver, printing, shipping, and I wandered away from God further and further away. I became puffed up as I made more and more money. I began to indulge in all kinds of carnal satisfactions, leaving my wife and children unattended. My turning point came in 2013 when I attended a Christian men's camp. A pastor taught us about God's uh, will for us and how we should be responsible as men in following Christ and leading our families. The Bible showed me just how sinful I was and how far I had strayed from God. So that very night, I accepted again Jesus as my personal saviour. I called my wife straight away to ask for her forgiveness, and that night we were reconciled. God brought us back together, and I realized just how poor in spirit I had been. Um, Moses happens to be Chinese and doesn't live in London, but his story could be repeated in many ways. And I decided not to take an example from our own community. It's really hard as a preacher because actually there was an example this week, but until I have that person's permission, I don't want to share it publicly. But that story of being transformed as we are taught and as we are in God's word is one that's repeated all throughout time in all the nations. And Jesus says in John 8, verse 31, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, um, today's sermon, we are focusing on just this little bit of our scripture that was read tonight. Just this bit here. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And uh, largely, a lot of what happens tonight will be my reflections upon that verse. But I do want to recommend one book to you, which is where some of the meat comes from. Um, It's from a guy called Kenneth Bailey, who's amazing, and has written a book, Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. If you need a book to read in the year, it's fantastic. Um, It's fantastic because he kind of knows our culture and highlights where we might misunderstand the gospel because we will always read it through our own culture's eyes. And so he shows us a little bit about how some of the stories in the gospel, what they would have meant to people in the Eastern time, and it brings out things that we can learn from that. So I've got some questions as we look at this bit tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Well, firstly, we need to ask, who are the poor? How did Jesus proclaim the good news? And how should I and we do this? How should we be involved in proclaiming good news? Well, just a few little uh, background insights as we start. Luke puts this story right at the beginning, um, fairly near the beginning of his gospel, because he's showing us everything that Jesus is going to be about. Luke isn't quite so concerned with chronology here, so he's kind of whacked this story here, because he's going to show us everything that Jesus is about through this story of him opening the scroll in the temple. We also get a lovely little glimpse into Jesus at home. 
back, he's gone back to his hometown in this passage. Mummy's cooking, um, old friends, comfortable place, familiar territory. And we get this lovely little glimpse into Jesus' own rhythm. We noticed it says in verse 16, he attended the synagogue as usual. Jesus too needed regular gathered community and public teaching of scripture. And even though Jesus announces in this passage that the spirit of God is upon him, he announces this whilst holding fast to the precious ancient scripture of Isaiah. Jesus in this passage models to us how we're to respect the word of God. We know in Paul in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says we're never to go beyond the scripture. And likewise, Jesus didn't either. He also does um, a beautiful thing. So in, um, in the synagogue tradition, what would happen is that they would stand to read from the scroll. And then after they'd read from the sc- scroll, they would sit to preach from it. And it was a beautiful demonstration of how much they respected the word of God. I'm going to stand and hold it high. And then anything I say from it is lower than it. It is under it. I did contemplate sitting down, but I appreciate that many of you think I'm already sat down because I'm that short. Um, So there we go. And uh, (laughs) just right there, just is it's possibly our first challenge tonight. Do I respect the scripture like Jesus did? If I am a Christian, a Christ follower, am I respecting the scripture like Jesus did? Who knows um, Emily in our church family? Emily's our, our mission link. She's out in Uganda. Some of you know Emily? Give me a wave if you know Emily. Yay. Emily's a um, really loved member of our community, and she works out in Uganda. And Richard, our vicar, who happens to be my husband, is going to visit her in a few weeks' time. And as Emily was here with us over Christmas recently, I was saying to Emily, Richard's only coming for a few days. I reckon I can, like, make a huge amount of room in his bag because, like, you know, he's a guy. He doesn't need that much stuff. So what would it be most useful for me to put in his bag? She didn't hesitate as she said, Bibles. Please, can you bring Bibles? Some of the people she works with are incredibly poor. What do they want? A Bible. To own their own Bible. The precious word of God. Can I respect the word of God like that? Honor it. Breathe it. Live it. Know it. Follow Jesus in respecting it. So, we're going to be looking at um, Jesus as he preaches from Isaiah over the next uh, few weeks. And we're kind of really concentrating in on this little bit of his anointing me to preach good news to the poor. So, just a quick back to these, um, back to these questions. Who are the poor? Who are the poor? What is good news for the poor? There's two options you can take as you read this text. 
One is to say, well, the poor means uh, the materially poor, and the lines that follow on in the text explain that. We're meant to set people free from economic, political, and social barriers. Or is the text about the spiritually poor and the fact that God has, through Jesus, entered history to rescue us from our sins, and that's the good news. And the emphasis is on preaching that good news. Who are the poor? Is it the economically poor, or is it the spiritually poor? Well, here we have some great help, because we have help from Isaiah. Jesus was preaching from Isaiah. And uh, there are two Hebrew words for the poor. Chloe, I'm very nervous. Do you know Hebrew? No, few. Mike, do you know Hebrew? Few. Anyone else in the house know Hebrew? Maddie? Okay, if you checked with the main people. I don't know how you say these words. Okay, so <laughs> in Hebrew, there are two words for the poor. There's Ani? Anai? Ani? And Maddie, you do know what Maddie says. So there's this one that means the economically poor, and there's this one which means the meek, the humble, those that are seeking after God. In essence, the spiritually poor, those that know that they are in need of God. Which word does Isaiah use? This one. So we know that in proclaiming the good news to the poor, Jesus is talking about proclaiming good news to the spiritually poor, to the hungry, to preaching and teaching them. So, that is clear. And in fact, actually, if you look through Scripture, most often when it's talking about the poor, it is actually referring to the spiritually poor. We're going to come back as the weeks go on to show you that Jesus massively cares about the economically poor, that they are um, incredibly important in the heart of our Father God, and that we as Christians are to be fighting for justice for those that are economically poor. And yes, we do want to see the economically poor raised up. Jesus hates economic poverty. But here today, our emphasis is on the meek, on the spiritually poor. And that's very clear from Isaiah. So how on earth does Jesus go about proclaiming the good news to the spiritually poor? And if I'm to follow Jesus, what might that mean for me? What that, might that mean for us as Christchurch? Well, firstly, I'd like to say that we get some uh, lovely kind of hints, just even in the passage that Jesus reads from Isaiah about how he's going to proclaim to the poor. And here comes in a little diagram here. Kirsty came in and said, Nicola, do you sure you didn't mean D? <laughs> Why have you done A, B, C, B, A? And she's quite right. It does look a bit odd, but hopefully it will make, make sense in a minute. I'd like to suggest that the first way Jesus is going to proclaim the good news is from a motivation of compassion. What's going to motivate Jesus in preaching to the spiritually poor, preaching to you and I, is compassion. 
I'm going to try and show you from this text. Because Jesus does this really lovely thing. When he rolls out the scroll of Isaiah, it's a little bit sneaky because he edits it. It's the only person he's allowed to do this with scripture because he's Jesus, okay? You and I can't do that, but he can because he's Jesus. So he edits Isaiah 61 when he reads it out to the people. And what he does is, um, he's very sneaky. He just kind of mixes a few of the phrases around, so you barely notice. But if you go to Isaiah 61, you can check this out while I'm talking, if you like. But um, basically, he starts by saying, I'm going to preach good news to the poor. Then Isaiah says, we're going to give sight to the blind. And then Isaiah talks about freedom for captives. And Jesus does something a little bit sneaky, and he kind of just moves the bit about sight to the blind into the middle and brackets it with proclaiming freedom for the prisoners. And he makes this beautiful pattern out of the text. So Jesus is basically going, I'm going to be about preaching good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind. I'm going to send out the oppressed in freedom and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So you kind of got preaching, preaching, something about freedom, which we'll do next week, and this middle bit about giving sight to the blind. Giving sight to the blind was an act of utter compassion upon someone in need. And so right at like the center of all that Jesus is about, the crescendo point is an act of pure love and compassion. And this act of pure love and compassion is to influence fighting for freedom and the proclamation of the gospel. We also know that the way Jesus is going to preach good news to the poor is not going to be in isolation. So it's going to be from a motive of compassion. It's not going to be in isolation to loving people for fighting for justice and all these other things. And so often, um, those of you who teach church history will know the churches often have big arguments about how should we reach people who don't know Jesus, right? We should preach at them. No, we shouldn't preach at them. We should like just show love to them. No, you can't just show love to them because then they're never going to understand the word of God. But if you show the word of God and you don't show any love, then they're not going to listen to you. And how should we do it? Jesus told us how to do it. Keep it all together. We need it all. Love it all. We need it all. And if you have a leaning towards one thing over the other, well, that's okay. But make sure you're surrounding yourself by others who have the other bits. And actually, if we're going to grow in maturity, if we're going to follow Jesus, there's actually a sense in which you want to say, Holy Spirit, help me grow in in my teaching and preaching of the good news. Help me grow in being a fighter for justice. Help me grow in showing compassion. And our hope is as a church here that we're going to keep those things together. So Jesus preaches from a place of motivation of compassion. He doesn't ever um, preach just in isolation, but he shows compassion to those as he preaches and is involved in looking out for them. The other thing we learn from this passage about how Jesus is going to preach good news to the poor is how he responds to those that are listening to him preach as he's preaching. 
There's a lovely verse where the people around him in the synagogue acknowledge his gracious words. And they're like, wow, this guy is so cool. And then you get down, is it verse 28 where they're suddenly furious? Yeah, verse 28. Suddenly, um, actually Jesus' teaching is far too radical for them. Um, The passage in Isaiah essentially leads them to believe they're going to get lots of economic benefits from following God. And Jesus is kind of turning this on the head. And again, more about that next week. Um, But basically, they're kind of slightly annoyed at this point and they get furious with him. They're furious with him. And there seems to be no hint that Jesus really cares that they are furious with him. I mean, he, he may well have done. I'm sure he did have human emotions. It wouldn't have been particularly pleasant, never particularly pleasant to be rejected in any kind of way. But he doesn't seem to be so concerned with what other people think or in needing to defend God in some way or of dumbing down the message so that it's more palatable for people to hear. And it's such a temptation for us as we want to teach and preach people and tell people about God that we can kind of want to make it attractive. Like we don't want to like, we don't want our God to like be rejected and we can kind of, we kind of dumb it down, fluff it up. And um, in doing so, doing so we often lose the radical nature that it, the message actually is. Alice Cooper said something like, um, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Well, that's all right, but real Christianity is rebellion. (laughs) Real Christianity is kind of radical. It's rebellious. It turns the world upside down. It actually isn't very palatable. And someone who gets fed a kind kind of fluffy gospel often won't manage to last the course with Christ because you haven't really preached the real gospel to them. It's a tough one. But it's a question to ask ourselves, you know. You and I, we don't need to be concerned about defending God. He's God. And he is okay. (laughs) With it not always feeling great (laughs) as we try and share him with other people we're just called to do our part and that's something we we when we leave here need to kind of take out from here so so what is my part this week today around the people I am what does it mean for me to preach the good news to those around me there's lots of things we can learn as we flick through the Gospels about Jesus as well. He, um, he used stories. He used illustrations. He used um, great questions. He taught crowds, but he also taught the woman at the well, taught an individual, taught his disciples in a small group. He taught the children and those that were old. So many little things we can learn about the way Jesus proclaimed good news to the poor. Always from this place of utter compassion for everyone he met. It's interesting, I was, uh, as I was preparing this, I felt um, 
yeah, quite challenged really in lots of ways. And I remembered back to a uh, party I'd been at at uni in my second year at uni. And um, it was quite a wild party. And I know I'm not, I know, I don't really know why I was there. I know I'm not really that kind of person. I don't know, but I was there. And um, it was quite a wild party. And I, I literally physically bumped into this, this other girl at, at this party. And um, I remembered that I had... I knew that she went to this Christian group called the Navigators, or at least she did in the first year. I didn't go to the Navigators. I didn't really know her very well. Um, got chatting. She clearly wasn't really, like, following God. That was, that was kind of clear as immediately we bumped into each other. Anyway, she was kind of, like, kind of trying to put the God stuff kind of behind her and just go a bit crazy. And for some, um, just thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, fill me with courage to just go, what are you doing, basically, to her? And, and through the Holy Spirit, I started calling out to her, in a way, calling her back, like, what are you doing? You know, like, the greatest treasure. You know the greatest love. You've got the greatest hope in you. Why are you running away from that? What are you doing? And started just kind of almost, like, preaching at her in the middle of this party. Don't really know what came over me, um, but I'm, I'm pleased because it, it was a good story. Anyway, I then didn't see her. She probably, like, was avoiding me. I don't know. But I then just, I didn't really see her at uni again. And five years after, I went to a wedding. Went into the wedding, and she was there. And she came running up to me and gave me a massive hug. Thank you so much. Because that conversation changed the direction of where I was headed. Thank you so much. And as I thought about that, I thought... God, where am I having the courage to preach? And <laughs> um, not being quite so worried what people think. And then the flip side of that, who am I letting preach to me? As Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to come and to bring good news to the poor, to bring freedom and the recovery of sight. The good news to the poor was part of his purpose, his mission, and therefore as we follow him, it's part of our purpose and our mission. And when we leave here today and we go to wherever we're going in our workplaces and college and school, it's part of who we're to be about. And that's sometimes a little scary and we might need help equipping. And I'm not suggesting that tomorrow morning you turn straight to the person who works at the desk next to you and go, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is that blah, 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 blah. Like you might need to build up a bit of rapport. You might need to kind of look for opportunities. You might need to be praying for them. But equally, you're definitely not meant to say nothing ever. And we need to help one another along in that and, and encourage one another when we get rejected, when it's like a bit hard doing that and when we're laughed at and whatever else. Because alongside that, as we do it, there'll also be incredible stories where we, yes, we managed to bring someone back home. And that's really exciting. 
And I, I also was reminded as I was praying this that God has been so gracious to me because I know there have been many occasions when I've totally messed up this preaching the good news to the poor. And, uh, and God brought two quite funny stories into my head. So I thought I'd just share them as we finish um, and so you can know we're all on a journey with this together. The first was um, when I, uh, I did a gap year in India after uni. And I made friends with a girl, and it was her 19th birthday, and we were going out to uh, the cinema to watch a movie. It was a big deal, and um, uh, I was riding on the back of her motorcycle, and I had to ride side saddle. She was a proper Hindu girl, and that meant leaning back like that. We were balancing on this thing. I was in all my, uh, you know, Kurta stuff and everything, and the scarf flying everywhere and whatnot. And we were going through this really hairy traffic. She was just like super excited. It was her birthday. She got a motorbike. She was like a bit crazy. And I was just like basically trying to stay alive. So in my defense to the Lord, I was, I was kind of just trying to stay alive. So she turns back to talk to me as she do. And I'm like, look at the traffic, look at the traffic. Anyway, she turns back, I bought you a Ganesh, Nicola, to bless you. I'm like, oh, cheers, thank you. I say, look at the traffic, look at the, thank you, that's great, look at the traffic. Totally blow it. I didn't say anything about the fact that I followed Jesus, that I didn't need a Ganesh idol in the house, blah, blah, blah. I just go, thank you. So I was like, oh man, like I missed this opportunity. I could have said something cool about what I believe in and I've kind of missed it. Um, Lord, will you help me? So then like a, about a month or so later, I met her again for coffee and said, oh, do you like the Ganesh I got you? I said, thank you. Yeah, it was really nice. Thank you. Thanks. Lord, what's wrong with me? So I prayed for a third time, a third time, finally got the courage to say, thank you so much that you gave me this Ganesh. Thank you that you wanted to bless me. I'm really touched that, um, like that we're friends and that you care about me. But actually, um, I don't think, I don't need it to bless me because um, I believe in Jesus and I know that I'm going to heaven and that I've got all eternity of total joy and wealth. And and I got to kind of tell her just a little bit about my own faith. God's so kind to us when we mess it up because he cares so much more than we do because he loves people. He loves people so much. And he wants his good news to be spread. And so even when we do a bad job or we get it a little bit wrong, we can come back to the Lord and we can pray and ask for his help in that. And one of my prayers at the moment is, how do I preach the good news today? How do I do that? It's not a simple answer in the culture we're in. People are coming at life from all different kinds of ideas, all different angles. And we need the Lord's help. We need wisdom. We need the Holy Spirit. We need each other um, to equip. The other one, just very quickly as I land, very funny story of, again, this was a Chiswick story of a friend of mine at school who, again, I just feel um, she's another mum at the school gate where I am and that I... I sort of feel like we've had some conversations with God, but I've never really quite said what I've meant to say. I haven't quite brought it home. And um, she's much more confident than I am. And she's an amazing woman. I enjoy talking to her hugely. She's one of these people who's just interested in life. But she's quite a bit older than me, and she's very confident. And she has absolutely no need for Jesus. She's got an amazing house on the river. She's got a fabulous job. She's a powerful woman. She's got two wonderful children. There's no, like, obvious need for Jesus in her life. And I I always feel like I slightly fluff telling her what I believe, and she knows what it does. But anyway, 
I was praying about this one day, and then I went into school, and she came flying at me through the playground. It's like, oh, what's this? I don't normally see her in the playground, so she's got an important job in London. It's normally someone else with the kids. But so she comes flying at me in London. You were in my dream preaching at me, Nicola. Okay. Please, Lord, let dream Nicola have done a good job of preaching. <laughs> I know, but it was a fascinating, like, brief exchange where I just said, well, yeah, it's such good news following Jesus or something like that. And then went, I've got to take my kids into, into their class now. See ya. Um, so I'm not, it wasn't like amazing. And I, I've still got some work to do on, on how we talk. But as we pray, God is at work. God is at work. And there are opportunities he will give us to preach the good news to the many around us who are spiritually poor. Let's pray. God, help us to um, (laughs) grow robust so that we're not so worried about our own popularity, how we come across. That we're not so concerned with having to think up ways to defend you. Lord, you can defend yourself. God, give us wisdom from your Holy Spirit and grace to pray for opportunities to proclaim your good news because we have such good news to share. God, help us where we might need to just remind ourselves, embed ourselves in you, with you, so that we are welled up inside with that good news. And help us as a community here to keep supporting one another and talking with one another and helping one another to step out and to speak to others about you. I pray that this will be a real safe uh, place for us to come back and go, oh, it went a bit wrong, or I got laughed at, or can you pray for me? Because I just, I just find it hard to, to know what to say at all. Help us to be a good community, to grow together in this. So that as we follow you, our purpose too will be to proclaim the good news, to bring freedom and sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.